grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Jesus had again crossed over in the boat to the other side, 
A large crowd gathered around him near the sea. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and repeatedly pleaded with him, My little daughter is near death. Please come and place your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. Jesus went with him. While he was still speaking, people from the synagogue ruler, a ruler's house arrived saying, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? But when Jesus heard this report, he told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid. Only believe. He did not allow anyone to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They went into the house of the synagogue ruler, and Jesus saw a commotion with people weeping and wailing loudly. When he entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. They laughed at him. But after he put everyone out, he took the father of the child, her mother, and those who were with him, and he went to where the child was. Grasping the hand of the child, he said to her, Talitha Kaum. When translated, that means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the little girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. They were completely and utterly amazed. Then he gave them strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I was in high school and I was able to drive. I had my driver's license. And I really wanted to go to this one party. And I asked my parents if I could have the car. And they said no. And I was extremely upset uh, with my parents for not letting me go. Because this was going to be the party of the parties. Oh, I could, I could go and meet girls. And, 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 and I you know, go have some fun. And, and, and it was going to be at the son of a doctor's house. And, and I've never been in a house that was like a mansion. And I get to go there, and it was going to be the party of the century. And my parents said I couldn't have the car. And my heart was crushed. But then my mother said something to me that has stuck to me this very day. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I still wanted to go to the party. But this saying has, I've always taken to heart, especially as I've grown older and have kids myself. She said, normally, it is the children that bury the parents. And it ought not to be that the parents have to bury their children. They were worried about my life. And I appreciated that very much. But isn't it true that parents ought not to be burying their children? And when you see that, just like as we hear it from Jairus here, even though we don't know exactly how he's feeling, we can't get into his heart and soul, we can certainly sympathize, can we not? of how painful it was, especially when he fell at Jesus' feet 
and in humility was crying again and again, my little girl is dying, my little girl. She's actually 12 years old. She's almost a teenager. But in his eyes still, his little girl, and I bet will always be his little girl. And now we hear that, yes, she is dying. We don't know what she is dying of. But she is clearly dying. Oh, this is a synagogue ruler. He was a prominent man. He probably was a man who oversaw the care of the synagogue. He had a pretty powerful position within the church. Oh, he might have been a man that people looked up to. And yet, that couldn't save this little girl. Oh, he might have even been a wealthy man. And yet all the money in the world could not save his little girl. He probably even had the medical doctors coming over and treating her. And yet they couldn't save the little girl. He's coming to Jesus. Clearly, this is his last-ditch effort. Clearly, this must be a desperate man who is crying to Jesus. Please lay your hand on her and save her. And Jesus went. But in going, he was actually delayed. And what is interesting is there was actually two things happening. One was a large crowd. Jesus had just, uh, the day before or so, just crossed over the Sea of Galilee and was now in the region of Capernaum. He was down by the sea, and the crowds got so great that they were actually pressing in on him, which had to slow down his travel. And then, as he was going, there was a lady who came and actually touched him without Jesus seeing her. We are told that she is one who has been bleeding for a long time. And what that exactly means, we do not know. Oh, there's all kinds of speculation. But she had a terrible ailment. And it could not be treated or it could not be cured. And so she thought that if she could just teach touch Jesus, then that would certainly cure. And that's exactly what happened. And Jesus would stop and says, my power has left me. Who has touched me? And of course, being the Son of God, Jesus knew exactly who was touching him. But he wanted her to say it and even say it publicly. And so she finally came forward and admitted that she had touched him. And Jesus told her that your faith has made you well. But because of that stall, because of that taking time in order to get to the house, Jesus wasn't able to get there in time. In fact, several people from the household actually came, and no doubt friends of the mother and father, and informed before they even reached the house of Jairus, they informed that she had already died. In fact, their commentary was simply this. Why bother the teacher anymore? You see, as long as there's life, there seems to have been some hope. But now that there's no life in this girl, there's obviously no more hope. She's dead. She's gone. Death is final. And when you look at death as being final, you can easily start thinking two things 
and maybe even consider both of them and hold to both of them. One is simply that if death is final, then I might as well live and, and live it up. I might as well eat and drink and be merry. For tomorrow I may be dead. Live life to the fullest. Spend the bucks. Oh, enjoy it. Get the best bang you can out of life. Because once you're dead, you're dead. Therefore, the purpose of life is to live for your own selfishness. It doesn't matter what you do to your body. It doesn't matter what, how you treat anyone else. Live it. And live it to the full. And therefore enjoy it. And enjoy it your way. Or there's the thinking that if, if death is final, then maybe I need to make a name for myself so I can live on. Oh, maybe have a great library where all my artifacts can be put in them. Maybe I can write a book. And then, they, and then people will read my book and see my name even after I'm long dead. I need to be great. I need to be remembered. I need to have a legacy. And we hear those words, that word legacy, especially even among sports people or even people in high positions. They need to have a legacy. They're going to hurt their legacy. What matters is their legacy. By the way, this is not God's thinking. Living life to the fullest and, and being selfish with your life is not God-pleasing. Living your life and, and hoping that people see you as great and glorious and really being a God long after you're dead is not the purpose of life either. So what is the purpose of life? Jesus has an opportunity to not only teach that, but to actually teach how we should understand death. Is death really final? And in so doing, he actually teaches who he really is. He goes to the house. And when he gets there, he exchanges the crowd that has enveloped around him for now another crowd that was in the house. And that crowd was wailing and crying. It was not unheard of for people to actually pay for professional weepers who would come and weep when someone has died. Oh, they were so loud. Jesus called it a commotion. It's a bunch of noise. And why? Because as Jesus put it, the child is not dead, but sleeping. Well, immediately all those tears and all that sadness and all that wailing turns into laughter as they make fun of Jesus and ridicule him. No, the girl is dead. There is time for crying. Where They're getting paid to even cry. But that she's not dead, but sleeping? It was very formed foreign to their thought. Jesus had them all leave, and, and he only took with him out of all the disciples, Peter, James, and John. In fact, this is the very first time that he separated Peter, James, and John. He will, he will separate these other three uh, from the other apostles when it came to um, his transfiguration, as well as when he prayed at Gethsemane. So taking Peter, James, and John along with the father and mother, 
they went into the girl's room. Jesus did not lay his hand on the girl, as the father had requested. Instead, he took the girl by the hand, ready to help her up. And then he said the words in the mother tongue of the Jews, Talitha Ka'um, little girl, arise. Literally, in the original language, it means wake from your sleep. Get up from your sleep. And immediately she did. And immediately, Jesus gave two commands, seeing that the parents were astonished and amazed by everything that just happened. He said, give her something to eat. It may have been a while since she has eaten because she has been sick. But then he also told them all not to tell anyone, which may seem very strange. Why shouldn't the entire world know this? Well, keep in mind that because of the large crowds that Jesus was facing, sometimes getting alone time, even with his disciples, was becoming more and more rare. So oftentimes he would tell them not tell anyone until later, until after his death and resurrection. And then, of course, they would proclaim it. But let's, but let's not also overlook the fact that even though he told them not to say anything, that very girl rising from the dead and walking around is going to be a testimony. In fact, that's actually what the word miracle means. When I think of the word miracle, I oftentimes think of supernatural powers doing the impossible. But actually, the word means signs. It's like a banner, a poster. Every time Jesus did a miracle, it, it, it proclaimed a message about him. And the message in this case is clearly that he is God. He has power over life and death. He can raise the dead back to life. This is the very Savior who himself gave his life on the cross, paying for our sins. But the miracle that is above all miracles Really, the miracle of miracles is Jesus rising from the dead, conquering death, and giving the promise, because I live, you too shall live. That there's life after death, that death is not final. And for the believer in Christ, death means the gateway to heaven. When we depart from this life, our soul separates from the body, and the soul enjoys heaven. And then on the last day, he will unite that body and soul together. And with body and soul together in a glorified state, we're going to live with the Lord, with body, soul, and mind, joining all believers in the glories of heaven. We never look upon death as final, but thank you, Jesus, for telling us what it really is. But sleep. And awakening in heaven. You probably have heard pastors over the years say that when it comes to youth groups, they always feel very frustrated with youth groups because you're always trying to, how do you entice them? How do you get them to come? And, and so forth. But when it comes to funerals, many a pastor will say, I enjoy them immensely. You would think that a funeral would be the worst place you want to go because it is a place of crying. No. It is a place where we're reminded from God's word that our loved one in Christ 
Even though they have died physically, their soul is in heaven. They beat us home. And knowing this, we can rejoice in every funeral and even in our own, even in our dying, that is, and looking to, even to our own funerals one day, we can rejoice in the fact that in Jesus we truly do have liberty for all. Oh, not simply because it's the 4th of July, liberty concerning um, um, salvation and freedom from foreign, um, foreign attacks or, or from government overstep, but rather freedom from our worst enemy, one of our worst enemies, and that being death itself. My friends, you live. In Christ Jesus, you are alive. And therefore see death for what it really is. But sleeping. Those are the words of our Savior. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.